0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching.
1: Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 43, 1 through 5.
0: Good morning, church. Let's open our Bible to Exodus chapter 20. If you'll click or turn to that right now. Uh, We'll use that in just a few moments. We are, if you're visiting, my name is Mark. We're glad you're with us this morning. I get the privilege of being one of the ministers here. And uh, we're in a series called What a God. It followed a series called Liberated. We looked at the way that God delivers people. How if we listen, trust, and obey him, no matter what our circumstances, that God has a path of deliverance for all of us. We wanted to follow that series heading into the Advent season toward Christmas, it was a series that said, what do we hold on to about God that gets us through those desert moments, those trials, those struggles, those questions, what do we hold on to? We began our series by talking about God the Father, that there is a place for you in God's house, the story of the prodigal son, how all of us can return to God if, the, if God is what we want. We can return to God and there's always a welcome, there's always forgiveness, and there's always a restored relationship. Then last week, we talked about a God of trust. God took a decisive action when we most needed him to, and he created the means by which Jesus would save us, then we get to decide if we trust him to take a decisive action toward his action, to respond to God in a way that we make a choice how we want to live, who we want to become, and how that works together. Today, I want to kind of confess something as we begin, and I don't mean like a fake confession. This is a real thing I think I'm supposed to say. The Puritans used to have an expression called a besetting sin, and this is the kind of thing that's a constant problem or fault in our life that we know we should deal with, but we don't often deal with it. We just kind of let it slide. It's not a big deal, but it becomes something that sets into us, and it begins to change who we are. So what I want to tell you is that I, I believe that I repeatedly ignore God's counsel in areas that I don't think are important. Make sense? sense? I find myself dismissing some of God's teachings because it doesn't seem relevant to today. It doesn't seem like it fits the culture in which we live. And many of us, I think if we're honest with each other, we go, yeah, we give ourselves that kind of permission. Now, I don't think I'm a good person, but I'm trying. Uh, What I'm not talking about are big moral issues. I would never intentionally harm someone in an irreparable way. I don't think I would ever kill anybody. I hope I never would. I hope I know my heart well enough to know that I would never just go after somebody and ruin them for my own advantage. Yet in spite of that, what I realize is my issue with God is not that I'm fearful that I'm gonna hurt somebody else. It's I'm not fearful enough that I won't hurt myself. Does that make sense? That there are certain actions in my life that when I dismiss God's wisdom are actually harming me but I don't believe they're relevant. I don't believe they're important. I don't believe they're worth it. Today's message is going to seem strange to many of us in a series on what do we hold on to when it comes to God and when times are hard. But I want you to, to know that I believe this is as relevant as anything we're going to talk about. Rest is a choice for which one for which we are accountable. Rest. Believe it or not, God has given us his word on what this means to us and why it should be a part of our life. And if you're anything like me, all of us can dismiss this as one of those. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, God said that, but, you know, that's old school, that's old timey, that's back in the Old Testament, that doesn't fit to us today, and I wanna be careful. You may not be walking away from the moral law of God, but you may be walking into a self-destructive pattern that God has carefully and lovingly warned us about. Because the choices we make reveal our priorities. The choices we don't make also can reveal our priorities. Now, let's pause here for a moment. If you haven't noticed, we had Thanksgiving on Thursday, which means Christmas is just around the corner. The Christmas music started in July. Eh, I could live without that. But once the turkey's carved and the cranberries are on the table, I realize good things are coming. December's a great month. I love all the festivities, and some of you are becoming really uncomfortable because you're thinking, seriously, we just had Thanksgiving and the preacher's gonna shame us about being busy during Christmas. No, I'm not gonna shame you, but I am gonna encourage you. You see, it would be easier for me to stand up here today and say that the Lord God wants you to avoid sweets for the next 30 days. You would receive that better than hearing this word. The Lord God wants you not to be so busy you forget, so busy you're exhausted. So busy, you become embittered, you become tired, you become cranky, whatever term you want to use. The Lord God has a word for us and it can't be dismissed. Remember this, everything finds its significance or insignificance in the presence of God himself. Everything is valued or devalued by what God says about it, who God is and what God intends for us. So I only have two points this morning and I want to make them just as cleanly and quickly as I can rest it is a command it is God's will for us he has made his voice evident if I said to you this morning thou shalt not kill you're like yeah that's to love your neighbor yes you know that's to do good things and help people out like God helped you absolutely yes you should rest well doesn't seem like as big as those things so if I'm going to blow off one of those four things, I can blow off resting, right? Well, yeah, you're not harming anybody else, but you may be harming yourself. In the Ten Commandments, folks, the biggie, the ten words, this is what it says. Verse 8, Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord our, your God. On it you shall do You shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the aliens within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Nothing about that has changed. Now, we're not going to be uh, ritualistic or legalistic about this today. I want to talk to you about the gift of rest. For six days, God labored and created the universe in its entirety. By his will and by his mind, he put it together. He spoke it into existence, and it happened. For six days, he did this work, and on the seventh day, he rested. But there's a few details I want to point out. God did not rest because he was exhausted, God did not rest because he was tired. God rested to teach us something, that he could rest in the completeness of his work, that he could rest and admire what he had done and understand its value. Work itself is not punishment. You might notice that before Adam and Eve sinned, the man and woman worked the garden. Work is a gift, it is not a punishment. We are created to work. We are created to worship. We are created for relationships. We are created for service. We are created for love. And we are created by God to rest. So we have to be really careful what we decide God meant and what we think he may have meant differently. You see, you are not a productive machine. You are a human being made in the image of God. We have been given, because we're made in the image of God, a status above all other pieces of creation. We are to be their caretakers. We are to be the one that protect them and provide for them. This is what God created us for. But when God called us, he called us to rest. And we think, yeah, but God could rest because his work was complete. I can't rest because my work is never complete. Can I have an amen? Now, you know, for all of us husbands, look at our wives and go, and yours is worse. right?" Because they're not like doing their normal jobs, they're taking care of us. And when you look in the midst of this, here's what I want you to understand. God showed us that we are to rest in the completion of his work, not in the completion of our own. It is one of the most trustful acts you and I can commit is to cease laboring in such a way that we are constantly reminding ourselves of what isn't getting done. When we can rest in the fact that God is going to get his work done. So four months ago, the first part of August, uh, our son and daughter-in-law gave us a a little baby girl, our first granddaughter, her name's Finley, she's adorable. She is gonna be very special to me for the rest of my life. But she does something that I think is absolutely amazing. It can be endearing at times and each and every time it's not very wise. This little tiny girl gets tired quickly. We know because her little eyes get pink around the rims and her, her face gets all blotchy and she needs to sleep. And you know what that silly little girl does? She fights sleep. She fights it with every fiber in her body. Her scream becomes angry. Her face becomes red. She exhausts herself and she fights it. It's silly, isn't it? Until you do it. You fight rest all the time, every day of your life. For the God of productivity you know, you're tired, you know, you're weak, you know, you don't have much to go on, but man, there's overtime and it's double pay. And I got to pay off that credit card for stuff. I actually didn't need, and and I need to keep working and I'm upside down and I have to do this. There's no shame involved in this. But before I mock a four month old little girl, I need to look at her 56 year old grandfather. Grandfather. That's a big word. (laughs) I'm still 35. What am I talking about? (laughs) But when I look at that, I'm thinking, where's the wisdom of the age gonna come from? How come is it gonna take me 56 years to realize this? And then Madison will pick her up and hold her really tight and she fights and squeals and screams and then she rests and within seconds, what happens? She's peacefully sound at rest in her mom's arms. When God calls us to Sabbath, he's not asking us to rest in our accomplishments. He's asking us to rest in his in his completed work, this beautiful thing. All creation will rest, whether by its own will or by the breakdown of its own will. Rest is not an option, rest is inevitable. There is a rhythm of creation that when we honor it, God brings things into our life that we'll talk about in just a few moments. You see, I don't want you to think you better rest or you're gonna be in trouble. No, you're gonna rest or you're gonna break down. You see, God did not create a series of punishments for those who don't rest. Those punishments are built into the system. That's why kids go off, right? Did you ever have that moment when your children, when they were younger, that you knew there was a window of time that if they didn't go down, it would be a two-hour fight to get them to sleep? The one thing they most wanted was the thing they most fought against. Do you remember those moments or was it just my kids? We had one in particular, man, you had about a 10 minute window. We'd look at each other like start the clock and we would tried to get him to bed and we'd read him a story and try to get him to lay there. But if he went past that moment, it was drama for two hours, crying and nobody loves me and this and that. And you're like, oh my gosh, get the drill. No, we wouldn't do that. I promise you. <laughs> we discussed it, but we would not have done it. Right? There's a rhythm to rest. There's a rhythm to creation. There's a rhythm in our lives. When God took the people into exile. If you read the Old Testament prophets, God may have been saying, you won't rest on your own, so I'm gonna bring you into rest. And he took them away from all their work and all their land and all their busyness and all their self-justification, and they rested. In fact, the term God's rest is found so often in scripture that I don't think I can any longer permit myself to say it's not a big deal. The rest of God is a great gift. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We think of a a yoke being put on oxen, and we think, well, there's work to do, right, Mark? There's work. That means he wants us to work, yes, but he wants us to work under his Control. You see, the yoke would be put on a younger oxen and an older oxen, and that old oxen would or ox would teach the younger one how to work, how to reserve energy, when to pull, when to stop, when to rest, when to eat, when to drink. See, this is saying, join me in this work, and you will find only a rest I can give you. Do we trust that? Remember, we sin because we do not believe God is either either wise or God is either good. The reason we Disrespect and disobey God is because we have concluded God can't be trusted because God is not good or he doesn't know what he's talking about. In this case, Jesus said, trust me in this one and I will teach you rest. You see, rest trusts the faithful God. This is what we're talking about. Can you trust God to call a time out in your world to enjoy him, to enjoy what he's accomplished, even in the midst of what you haven't? Remember, God did not need to rest. He did not, but he taught us by his example. So rest is a blessing even when you don't feel you need it. Rest is a gift even when you think, no, I'm good, I'm good. I can go another eight or nine or 10 days. But have you ever noticed that when we overwork and we're under-rested, every relationship in our life is taxed? Everything good isn't so good anymore. Everything tasty doesn't taste the same way anymore. Nothing in life seems to fit. Is it possible that God knows exactly what he's asking us to do and why he asks us to do it? You see, rest is not a passive activity. Rest is a form of resistance. It's resistance to controlling all things myself. It's stopping and realizing that the world is going to go on and I am going to miss out. If I don't stay up and keep working, then I'm going to miss an opportunity. It's resistance to that. It's resistance to prove ourselves to everyone but God to show the world how productive we are. It resists our quest to live outside the created rhythm that God gave us. Rest is a healthy reminder we can't do it all, nor should we try. Rest is trust. As a pastor, I've done too many funerals and I don't know why this struck me. The first funeral I ever did was my grandfather's. And I remember that day leaving the church with the body in the, uh, in the hearse heading toward the gravesite. <clears throat> and I remember that moment being resentful as I drove down the road, the number of cars that just passed by going to do inconsequential things, the number of restaurants serving hamburgers and french fries, did they not realize a great man died? Did they not realize that my life would never be the same again because he's gone now and I had him for a season but I wouldn't have him forever? Did they not realize the significance? Then I realize now, someday they're going to put me in a box in a church and someone's going to have to make up some nice things to say about me and the world's going to continue on the next day people will go to work people will watch ball games people will play golf people will go out to eat people will make all of these choices and i'm thinking mark get used to it i'm not controlling anything when i'm dead the world's going to go on like nothing happened why in the world would i keep fighting and struggling and serving to make a dent when in reality i can be influential in the lives of people but the world's gonna go on when I'm gone. Are you with me? What do I rest in then? That's not a happy thought. That's not gonna let me take a good nap this afternoon. No, the thought is God will be when I am not because God was when I wasn't. He's always enough. He's always the hope. First Timothy 617 speaks to our culture. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, we rest in him. Okay, but here's a caution now. Rest can occur without trust. All right? Rest can occur without trust. In other words, just being lazy is not honoring God. Are we? you guys with me on that one? Some of you are like, yeah, but, well, I'll beat you to it. There are people who do nothing and feel like, well, I'm well rested. Yeah, not what he wanted. Right? Because the pattern of scripture is we work for six days and we rest for one. We rest in God on that one day. We stop our work, we say no to our productivity, the great God of our age and success. And we turn around, we say, we're gonna spend one day and we're gonna focus on what's most important. And that is celebrating and remembering and reminding our soul of who God is for us. Proverbs 6, nine talks about those who don't trust God by resting too much. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. There's a rhythm. The rhythm is we work six days and we spend one day away from our work so we can remember the source of our total completeness. This is when we become worshipers. These are in the moments. Now you may be familiar, we did a series back in August called Pathways and we talked about the things that God has given us to help us to draw closer with him as we walk this life of discipleship. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody, but if we're honest with each other, the number one response we got back, I specifically got back personally in conversations with men that I'm walking with in discipleship And when I'd asked them, here's what I heard. Yeah, you're right. I should be in the word. I should be praying. I should be worshiping. I should be serving. I should be with my family doing these things, but I'm, can you fill in the blank? I'm busy. Busy like rest is a choice for which we will all be accountable. Busy doing what? Busy building for a future or actually building your soul and the family, your family soul and the influence you have that's in front of you. So this six days of honoring and working and doing what we are created to do, using our gifting and our calling, and one day of celebrating in our soul, preaching the gospel to ourselves. So these things on the pathways that help us grow are gonna require that we carve time away from the world and the productivity and success we dream for ourselves that we might invest in our soul. This is where the Sabbath comes in. It's not just another thing to do. Please understand me, in the Sabbath, your Bible study, your prayer time, your community fellowship, your service, all comes together in a way that reminds your heart of the gospel truth by which you base it. And rest when honored, honors God. I'm just gonna give you some facts quickly. Jesus needed rest. How do I know? Examples like Mark chapter six. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There were people that need healed. There were sermons that needed preached. There were people gathering around the poor, the broken, around Jesus every single day. And yet he decided in the midst of all of that, that he too and his disciples needed to get away and rest in the complete work of God. Secondly, God honors those who demonstrate trust in him. God is a good God. He he blesses those things that are blessings. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why? He restores my soul. It's in rest. Okay, this is a stupid illustration. I'm gonna go with it anyway. My, My dad will often call me about his computer and I'll ask him this question. I have other family members who do this too, but they might be in the room. Okay, so I say to my dad, When's the last time you turned it off? Oh, I don't remember. Try that. Because even your machine needs a rest. Everything needs shut down for a season to regenerate and start over and be refreshed. Are you with me? Nod your head. You've all done it, right? You spent a lot of money to talk to somebody in another country about fixing your technical device and they said, turn it off. And you're like, wow, interesting. <laughs> your Wi-Fi is not working. Unplug it for 10 seconds. Give it a breather. Seems to be a rhythm, right? Okay, back to the point. How does God restore your soul? Unplug it from the world and its noise. Plug it into him. See what happens. And rest honors God even when there is work to do. Look at Exodus 34. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest you must rest. What? There's work to be done. Who rests during the harvest and the the planting and the plowing? God says you will. And guess what? Your crops will still come up. There's always a reasonable exception to trusting God. Reasonable, not wise. Isaiah 58, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. Let me translate Isaiah 58, 13. If you trust God and rest, you'll find God. If you don't trust God with rest, you'll never find the joy of the Lord in your soul. So rest is a command. Rest is also the promised blessing. Let me share with you just a few things quickly. Renewed strength. Isaiah chapter 40, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Last week I told you, God took a decisive action in your need to meet your need. We must take a decisive action by faith to trust in him. And one of the most ridiculous things I can say, I'm doing it on purpose today. One of the greatest areas of trust in your life in the Lord is to stop being in charge of the world and letting God be. Spending moments with God, reminding yourself, preaching this gospel to yourself that God is the God of the universe and he rested on a day and it's an act of worship for us to stop working and just worship. He also promises peace. Psalm 3, I lie down and sleep, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Proverbs nineteen twenty three: the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. He talks about fear, Jesus does. I want you to see the correlation here. Matthew 6, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? If you want to ask yourself the question why most of us overwork, why we're workaholics, is because we're worried about things that don't really matter in the scheme of it while our soul starves. For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. We seek the kingdom in our ability to rest in God. We know that worry will seal our rest. And we know that anxieties and debt and all the things we enter into, they take our joy. 1 Peter 5, 7, concerning the absence of anxiety Cast all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. How do you do that? You rest in him. You want more time to pray? You want more time to read the scripture? You want more time to be in community? You see, the Sabbath day is not something that you go isolate yourself on a mountaintop. Sometimes you can do Sabbath in community. You can do it with your family. You can do it as an individual and I know the question is gonna be right now, well, well, how long do I actually have to take 24 hours like shut everything down and become legalistic like they did in the old? No, 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 no. I'm gonna tell you this, how much time do you need? Start there. For some of you giving two hours on a Saturday morning with a journal, with a Bible, with a friend, talking about the kingdom of God and celebrating God, picking out your favorite music, maybe you don't sing like I don't sing in public, but maybe in your car, you are a virtuoso. Take a nice long drive through creation. Go to your favorite spot outdoor. Spend moments with that. Because here's what you get that I want you to have. You get the presence of God in rest. Exodus thirty three fourteen. 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The rest of God can only be found in the presence of God. And so God said, I want you to carve time out of your every week. Start with something simple. But going into the Christmas season, I encourage you to say no to more than you say yes to. And never sacrifice that moment of sitting in the presence of God, realizing your father wants you to come home and you are welcome in his house. That you're gonna make a decisive action this year. You're gonna learn in the month of December to spend time every day and an extended time sometime during your week. And yes, we're busy, But say no to lesser things so you can say yes to greater things because Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus went into the mountains. He went into the the places of quiet. He went out into the wilderness. He spent nights with his father. He carved time out of his world to rest in the goodness of his God so that when God called on him in the garden that night, And Jesus said, is there any other way? And his father said nothing. He had known what his father said. He trusted in God. And in that moment, in his worst moment, he rested in his father. What are we gonna hold on to when the world takes our joy? We're gonna hold on to our place with God. And we're gonna return to our place with God. And our heart's gonna be healed. Our soul's gonna be restored. And we're gonna have life because we do not rest in our completeness. We rest in God's completeness. The back of this room are two tables that have lamps lit on those. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, maybe there's someone on your heart that you want us to join in praying for, or maybe today's the first day, like we saw two children lead us today. Maybe today's the day you finally say, I wanna rest in Jesus and the complete work of Christ. The Sabbath rest begins in salvation. Maybe today's the day you name Jesus your Lord and Savior and you find the rest for your soul nothing else in this world can give you. If you have one of those decisions to make or any other way we can walk with you and help you, there are people at the back room at these tables right now as we sing this next song or even at the end of the service. Feel free to make your way to those tables. We'd love to meet you there. We're a family and we wanna walk with you.